everybody. Recording live from somewhere. Lord, all night Sunday, Central. We're good. Talk about your big purchase. We should talk about my big purchase. You're already writing notes. Is, were you just scribbling so you have the? I, d- I had an asterisk. Made an asterisk. <laughs> is that an asterisk to I your just, note uh, I, from I, the I last go- episode? Not Google. I uh, I doodle. Oh yeah. Like, if a, you look at all my notes from work, doodles for days. That's because I'm not really engaged though when I doodle at work. Uh, it's I'm with you. Fuck you, man. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with Fuck you. Fuck you, man. I'm trying. Man. You know I'm what? Trying. I'm with the other CEO that didn't like the video. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on his team now. It's all right. I, I'm I'm just a content producer now is what I am. I produce good content. Producer. You should get a producer. Actually, get a director producer credit for this. I should. I'm going to put it on IMDb. You know what you should do ahead of the film? You should write overlay it with s- s- text that says this is a, or, or, a Joe, a, a Joe Allen's joint. joint. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking of Joe Alaney's joint. That's exactly right. Good old Spike, Spike Lee. Spike Lee just came out with a movie, and I watched it, I think. I don't like any of Spike Lee's movies. What? I like He Got Game. That's a Spike Lee joint. Yeah, I know. I like that one. And I like uh, the one about a bank robbery with... Uh, you don't like the one with uh, Radio Raheem? Which one is that one? He, that's not he got. No, game. that's one. It's all racial tensions. I can't believe I can't think that's of the like name. That's like all of his movies. Though. Yeah, but this one is like John Turturro's The Pizza Shop Kid and Sal's Pizza. Nothing? Nothing. All right. We're, I'm going to have. Like Klansman. He did that too, right? I didn't like that. What's the name of the movie? I can't believe I could, this would be the first time in my life I wouldn't know the name of it. And it's one I need to tell it to you. Do you have your phone with you? I do. Google Radio Rahim movie. <laughs> And see what it says. It is Christ Almighty. Spike Lee is the, like the main character in the movie. Is it love hate? No, it's not love hate. Type in Radio Rahim movie. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. I haven't watched it. You need to watch it. It's one of the best movies of all time. You don't get turned off by looking at a at a movie and just seeing like really like it looks like an old movie. No, not the, not nineties movies. I don't get turned off by any nineties shit. That's eh, when we grew up. Some of the nineties stuff, I'm like. Do you eh. get turned off by Sean Kemp? If you saw Sean Kemp and his Daisy Dukes jumping around, my favorite version of Sean Kemp is Cavs. Sean Kemp. Cavs. Sean. You. Yeah. Even you. Cavaliers. Sean Kemp. You made that part of your mural. Yeah, he's my. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> He, versions of Sean Kemp. He had a daughter that used to live in town here. I remember you told me about that, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like on the low. It's pretty cool. I don't know if it's on the low, but it ain't on the low for me. I was excited when I heard about it, and yeah, I looked her up. Imagine your dad being Sean Kemp. I looked her up. She was a fantastic basketball player. Is she playing somewhere? Or is it just? I don't know if she still is, but I think she was. I think she went up to like, I think she went up to like Seattle area to play. Oh, following the old man's be, footsteps. That would be awesome. When if you I look, were Sean Kemp's daughter, I would definitely do that. What, she was. She, uh, I think I remember seeing articles about her being a very good basketball player. And when you look at her, you're like, "Oh, that's Sean Kemp's daughter." Really? Like yeah. She has that Sean Kemp. She's she's got like she's got the like Sean Kemp couldn't have played anywhere else other than the '90s. You don't think so? Like, no. I mean, like stylistically, yeah. But I mean, if you look at him, he just looks he, like a '90s athlete. If you if someone said, "What do what do the '90s look like?" Sean Kemp. Sean Kemp or Patrick Ewing. Sean Kemp in his jersey with a champion's jacket on over top would be the most 
90s thing that's with a flat brim hat where the brim faces upward. And it says something under? It says something something under, under the bill. But in like cartoonish bubble letters. Yeah. That's some Sean Kemp shit. I remember uh, going to gas stations, like like actual truck stops. Okay. And they had the best... (laughs) 90s gear like the best 90s gear that you could get like that we could afford really like not at a mall like that was like at the mall was like starter stuff fancy starters or like starter like jacket asics or like whatever whoever was making those jackets at the time right but if you went to truck stops like the big truck stops that like the loves truck stops i'm, I'm big on truck stops i guys. bet you are yeah um you could actually find lot a lot lizard. of really cool nba gear 90s gear got a lot lizard on our hands hey 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 90s gear and a hand job <laughs> that is 90s gear <laughs> <laughs> 90s gear is a hand but job. no i can't say i've watched that movie but i'm not a big spike lee guy no but do the right thing is fantastic it's a good story it's got heart we'll watch it together yeah i'm gonna watch it no no we'll I'll watch re- it <laughs> right now <laughs> We're gonna watch it. Put it on. Yeah, yeah. Fuck this podcast. We're gonna we're gonna podcast while we watch it. Like uh, what's a mystery science theater? Or, Is that what or, they do? Or whatever. Three thousand. That's something. Three. Yeah, you don't know either. Yeah, I don't know. My brain is a mess. I need some iced tea. I listen to five podcasts. I just went and through this an, is one of them. You alluded to my my purchase. I am a mentally unstable right now. I went through an emotional episode getting this. I I bought a new car today. An actual new car. Not just a new car. I bought a new SUV, a Jeep Grand Cherokee. With rims. Tell them about the rims. It doesn't have rims. It has wheels. It has rims. It has wheels. With rims. (laughs) (laughs) They're grown up. They're classy. (laughs) I feel like the Jay-Z song, 30's the new 20. I didn't take you for a rims guy. I'm not a rims guy. I'm a wheels guy. (laughs) Wheels with rims. Someone who knows cars, please... Right into the podcast and explain to Joe that they're wheels, not rims. What's the difference between wheels and rims? Rims are just things you place over top of hubcaps. Wheels. Classy. It'd be like a Formica countertop as opposed to a granite countertop. The Formica just looks like granite. The granite... If you drove in your new vehicle by the place I grew up, people would be like, man, check out those rims. Whatever I call them, they would be missing when I came yeah, back. Yeah, they out. would. They, they'd be on blocks. <laughs> uh-huh. But that's a big purchase, man. Your first, uh, your first new vehicle, that's right? A, yeah, and it's a big, it's a big purchase for me because I don't do things like this. I tried for four years. I talked myself out of buying a car, and even though I had the appointment locked up, I was good to go. I knew the guy. I'm friends with the guy. I knew he was going to take care of me, and I basically got to the point. He even knew he could. I think he could tell intuitively of like, just don't talk to this guy much let him sell himself the car and get out of here and that's, that's what we did what but i still tried two or three times to talk myself out of it and like they had to they were nice enough to bend over backwards to drag me into the car because if the, if there would have been at one point the guy the finance guy said to me hey brother i'm really sorry they said that your they said that your payment's going to be you know what it is. Of course, it, it's, it's actually, always the finance it's, guy. It's actually going to be, and it was three dollars more per month. I apologize that we 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 missed that. We had the taxes wrong because they knew that they knew that if they didn't do it with kid gloves, I'd be like three dollars more. I'm I'm out of this bitch. That's an iced tea. That's 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 an iced tea every month. And and here's the thing, I can spend. I'll spend a thousand dollars a month on iced tea. I just can't spend it on a nice car for myself. Yeah, because and I'm sentimental, and I had to give up my old car. And that thing, man, I'm gonna miss you know, that. You had a Pontiac. I had a, you had a Pontiac. Yes, Byron Allen. With, 
I had a 2008 Pontiac G6 four cylinder. Tell them how many miles. 196,000 miles. I feel like you should have held out to 200,000. I wanted to, but if I would have held out it it's well, I don't I don't want to talk too much about the car, but it's an old car. <laughs> and it would have been a long summer <laughs> if I kept the car. So no buyer's remorse? Uh tons right. of buyer's remorse. Are you feeling like I want fancy? honestly? Honestly, I want to cry right now. That's what purchases like this do to me. I really, I, I really, I wish I could cry. Because that's almost what, that's almost a college education. Yeah. Like what, what people spend on cars. It's what you should have paid to go to my college. I just happened to pay more. Ooh. But, but you should pay about this much to go to the college that I originally went to. And yeah, and not only that, it's I'm giving up a car that I've had for 11 years. That I, like I've been through some real shit with that car. That car feels like it's a part of my body. And I and I now I don't have it at all anymore, and it's a that's I'm sentimental about things that I still have my Pennsylvania license plate uh, nailed to my wall over here because I just can't give up the Pennsylvania in me, let alone getting rid of that car altogether. So I'm in the mood I'm in the mood to shed tears, and I if my I just wish I could, but my I'm surprised you traded it in. I'm surprised you didn't keep the car. I wanted to keep the car, but they made the deal. And then you have, to, they made the deal too good for me to keep the car. But then you have two cars. Then I have two cars, but then I got to put a bunch of money into fixing one of them. And then and then what? And it's as part of being a grown-up, I should be able to let things like this go. Like I shouldn't have such an I shouldn't want to cry when I buy a new car. But you want to I, cry. I, I have it on both ends. I should be able to cry when I want to cry. My balls are just huge. <laughs> They're so big that my tear ducts just don't have any. Oh, I, 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 I know you've, what you you've mean. seen I, them. I, I, <laughs> not the balls part, but balls. But having like there's times the, when you should cry and you're just like, nope, it's not. Nothing's happening. I don't feel anything emotionally. But then you have to sell your car, and it's like oh. this thing that is just this object all of my you emotions have no emotional attachment to all my emotions were tied up in the car basically they, do you relate to that i do you do i do because i'm really really bad about letting things go like it, not just objects like i'm not like a hoarder or anything like that but right. there's certain things that mean a lot to me and right. those things i'll keep forever or i just don't like parting with but i'm pretty bad at parting with anything like yeah. i'm bad at saying goodbye like if it were up to me i would never say goodbye to anybody i would just leave i would irish goodbye yeah. all the time and i've done that multiple times it's actually one of the things that my family doesn't like about me like i will literally just leave um there's times like if like if my mother comes over to visit like my mother and my sister will come and they'll like hang out in the living room <laughs> talk to me and maritza and I'll literally get up like I'm going to the restroom and then I'm just gone. You just like go I'm, to I'm asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I catch so much shit for it. I'm just not good at goodbyes. Even like the whole, especially if it's uh like one of the last things you have from a time that you felt was either like a simpler time. That's right. Or maybe you felt you, you don't want to let that go because you feel like you're letting go. You're finally closing like the book on that chapter. In your that's life. exactly it. And that's what it feels like. That's how come I can understand like that. You, you letting go of this car was so hard because it's the car that got you through college. Yep. It's the c- car that got you through law school. It's the car that got you here. 
and now you're saying goodbye to that and what's what's left of the old you even though this is just a car there's like four or five other items that you've probably let go that are just that's kind of well and leading here's to you being just a, a new person it was even more of a shaky time when i got the car too but i i see your irish goodbye I, I, the people don't know this but y- you just leave irish goodbye during every i never know when the show's over yeah i do you say i can go to the restroom and then you sneak out my bedroom window <laughs> come on don't tell my secrets sorry none of my secrets when i bought the car it was i believe it was in 2008 I had just come back from visiting my mother in Texas and I was, she had a car that she wasn't using anymore. So I took over payments on the car and the, the idea was like, take over payments, you pay it off and then you just drive it. Then it's your car. So I had it up north for a year and then I drove back down to see her and we had a really tough time when I was down there, uh, it, this, especially this, this particular trip that I took down. And with like two days before I was scheduled to leave, uh, she informed me she was taking the car back. After you've been paying for it for a year? Yeah, but that part in hindsight was a great deal for me. It was this nice, like nearly brand new, like Chevy Tahoe. It was super nice. Oh, wow. And I don't even remember if I was paying full. I might have been paying like half payments because I was working six hours a week at C. I was paying, you know, what what I could and just... But with two days left before I drove back home, I found out I don't have any car anymore. And the semester starts in like five days for college. And you have to drive home. I had to get a rental car and drive it all the way home. And I'm 21 years old, so they have they need a huge deposit for me. It's not like you can't, you're not supposed to rent a car until you're 25. Otherwise, it's like a three or $500 deposit. And you don't have money at the time. Not at all. And so with two days left until the semester starts... I go to this dealership in town and I'm I'm an idiot. I know how much I can qualify for for a loan and I do it and I get the loan. I'm a 20-year-old idiot who's sheltered who doesn't have any guidance at all. I'm by my, I'm alone. And I walk into the car lot and like a dumbass, I tell the car salesman, "I I'd like to buy a car. I like these Pontiacs. I've I've got I'm approved for $16,000. That's what I can get. And the car salesman's like, oh, well, I will. F- I can. F- funny you mention it. I have I one can, for $16,000. It's 16000 I later found out that the car I bought was worth about $12,000. Oh, so they man. nailed me. They nailed me for four grand. And they told me I needed gap insurance. So I had to pay another. I paid another $1,000 in cash, which I didn't have out of pocket. I mean, I'm dead broke when I buy this thing. And it's not worth what I paid for it. And I didn't even pay that much for it. So I'm like, I, I buy this kind of beat up thing. It was a it was a one year rental car. So it almost had 30,000 mi- miles on it already. Like I'm And rental miles. Rental miles. Rough so, miles. So And and we do that. Like he's like, tells me about the warranty. And, and I say, well, he's like, and, and I just want to let you know that if you're worried about this car being taken care of in the future, I can't make any guarantees. All I can tell you is that we've been right down here on this first corner of Ashland for the last 33 years. All right. I buy the car. Three months later, dealership closes. No. Yes. After 30 years. After 30 years. Did and they just move off Ashland? No. They, they, <laughs> they just, closed up shop They completely. closed up shop completely. Then. So you're really on your own with this car now. Then by the end of the year. Pontiac closes up shop completely. They don't make Pontiacs. 
anymore. It was the last year, I believe, that they even made Pontiacs anymore. So I buy this car. So you traded in a relic. That within a year was out of existence. And and I'm looking at like, God, I, I'm going to be fucked. But for over 10 years, the only thing that ever happened to it was there was a some kind of hose blew out for, I don't forget if it was a transmission or something like that, and it broke down. It cost me 800 bucks to fix it. Besides that, brakes, batteries, oil changes, tires, the only thing that, and so I've gotten through, from that point, I had just had a bad family experience. I have no money. I just got fucked. Someone took a 20-year-old vulnerable kid and just took advantage of me and dicked me over, and, I, and I'm like in the middle of that. And now it's 10 years later. 13 years almost. Almost 13 years later. And I and life is, I mean, we know each other pretty well. Life is so different now. I still, in my mind, am back there. I'm still the kid who's making five fifty an hour inside. That like I'm thinking like, how am I going to pay for this thing? What like what happens if I run out of? But life is. What happens if I get a flat tire? Life is so different now. I can, as far as negotiations go, it's literally what I do for a living. So I don't get fucked at the car dealership anymore, and they don't, you know, they don't even know that I know I'm. And so, but. It's amazing what a decade will do to you. Um, yeah. But yeah. getting rid of that car is like getting rid of that little... My youth. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's get, getting rid of... That sweet, innocent boy. Do you know what I've always said, which is a little bit off topic, but I know my youth is gone when Will Smith dies. That's... <laughs> when Will Smith is gone, my youth is... is right, it goes along is with it. it. All right. <laughs> what time? <laughs> the first, Forget least, a Pontiac. I, I have a living person I need to keep alive for a part of my it, youth. Well, there's at least one video that I'll be making to promote this <laughs> podcast. Uh, let's see. I'll know when Will Smith dies that I've lost my youth. Please elaborate. He was everywhere. He was everywhere. Fucker's when still I was, everywhere. I know. He, well, he's kind of everywhere he's now. Not exactly. Yeah, not exactly. But he was like... He's dad everywhere. Like he was uh, from the age I was like 11 to maybe like 18, 19. Now, those were like hot with Will Smith days. Those were like Independence Day. Will Smith was days. hot in those yeah, days. Yeah, he was. He was Flat top Good looking me. guy. Mm. But like that was like the bad boys, Independence, Fresh Prince. Like he was everywhere. And for, he was like the it person of that decade when i was a skinny when i was a skinny like scrawny unibrowed 21 year old my dream in life was to look like will smith did in bad boys i think it was two when where he had like the beanie on, where he had the beanie on yeah it was like a black and gray beanie i spent hours trying to find that beanie i couldn't find the muscles <laughs> but i <laughs> but did you find the beanie i never found the beanie Jeez. I should Google after this where Will Smith bought that beanie, and now I live in the fucking desert. Well, yeah, I'll never because, even get to wear the beanie. Because he was swole there for a little bit. I know, he was jacked. So he was like the big it thing. So I always said if he dies, when he dies, like that that it person of that decade who was young at the time, he had to be like, what, 20s, 30s oh, at yeah. that time? Like yeah. that's he that's, made like, the... that's probably what people felt like, like when Judy Garland died or like when... I don't know all these old people. I don't really know that we just don't connect with it all. That yeah, we, that we're so disrespectful about. Yeah, like, like our kids. Are, when Will Smith dies, our grandkids are going to be like, "What? Jaden's dad died? What do you like?" It'll be like John Voight being Angelina Jolie's dad. Like, who gives a fuck? Yeah, who cares? He died. But I don't know. I feel like he's actually done a pretty good job of generationally making that jump. Like he's Hopefully. an Aladdin. I am a little upset I didn't get a call about that movie. You could have you could have easily paid Aladdin if for I, sure. And if I would have been better at 
at weaving into show business, I would have had a shot to audition for that. If I'd have started comedy when I was 18 and been, been shameless been like we should be and moved to L.A. like we should have done, I would have had a shot at Aladdin by and now. And then there would be some kids five years from now podcasting saying, when well, Chris Flails dies, <laughs> <laughs> I know my youth is over. I guess that's wrong, though. I don't think Aladdin was 33 years old in the movie. <laughs> so that wouldn't exactly Yeah, the work. guy who played him looked like 15. Yeah, Aladdin shouldn't be 33 years old. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, you you don't date princesses when you're 33. I can tell you, finished products only. Yeah, the, you you date him to about 24. Yeah, and then that's it. Yeah, Will then... Smith, I was just thinking about him today, oddly enough. It wasn't even about him. It was just about... I don't. I hate people that say like society these days, but there is a societal cultural thing that's going on right now that I really don't like. That that people might think the opposite because we we kind of like rolling our eyes and being curmudgeon-y. I don't like just the general asshole nature anymore. I don't know if are you a boxing fan? No, I, I think I know what you're going to talk about. You're just, that heavy guy. The heavy guy. The heavy guy. Andy Ruiz Jr. just just beat in a huge upset Anthony Joshua, who is this Adonis-looking guy who looks exactly like you would carve out of he stone like a heavyweight too. champion. He yeah. doesn't even look real, and he's mowed through everybody that he's fought, and he's been through adversity, and they were setting him up for a couple super fights, and he wound up getting knocked out by this guy who's actually a stud. He just doesn't look like a stud. But what, what yeah, frustrates He looks like me. He Yeah. <laughs> this guy... Actually, I'm giving myself too much credit. This guy got roasted more for winning the heavyweight championship than he would have getting knocked out in 90 seconds. If he would have gotten knocked out in 90 seconds, no one would have said anything at all. But the guy won the fucking championship, and people are making a punchline out of him, out of him ever since. And not only that, but we look at the guy. People have really been slamming Anthony Joshua for getting beat and saying he quit. And I want to just grab these people and go, do me a favor. I got some gloves in my trunk right now. Let me put them on and punch you. Tell me how long it's going to be before you quit. Before you and quit. I'm nobody, Yeah. let alone what, what that must – like the guy, we look at Anthony Joshua and we all know he can kill us because we can see it. The guy who just knocked him unconscious we're making fun of and Anthony Joshua. Yeah, so and both. Because so, it's easy to do that from afar. So that made me think about Will Smith because that, that general... I mean, we've all got that asshole nature in us, but another thing that I, I noticed that people love to talk about is let's say somebody got a big movie role, right? People love the article of who turned it down. Oh, and, I know what you're talking and about. And Will Smith turned down The Matrix. The Matrix, yeah. And it went to Keanu Reeves. People love that, like, he wasn't even supposed to be in it. Will Smith turned it down. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but it, it, oh, it's yeah? not the did same he, movie but, with Will Smith. But did he did he then make it the highest grossing movie that there's ever... All right. That's yeah. pretty cool, right? Just, yeah. I like to play the game of what if it were you. You know, yeah. like, what if it were you if you worked your whole... Why do you think... Do you think partly why Andy Ruiz Jr. is fat is because maybe, maybe he's been grinding it out in smokers and amateur boxing and pro boxing, which pays dick until you get on that and didn't have first class nutrition, first class training, first class facilities. So he just was what he was and somehow still worked himself up to be the goddamn heavyweight champion. Like what if what if that were you and on your best day for a for a cheap punchline for someone who's gotten 
400 friends on Facebook to get six likes that they just took they took the piss out of you for for instead of going like wow I'd love to be like that I'd love to do that someday to just the the cheapest shortest ah he, he looks like a fucking he's like fat. a Pokemon yeah. ah yeah he's a fatty well we just I think generally just live in a society now that's driven more by failure by other people's failure yep. as well as laughing at people yeah and you know Facebook twitter like all these things give people like this outlet where they can hide behind their computer and do this because if they're in the room with that guy guess what they're not gonna do exactly they're not gonna make fun of the guy they would wait in line to meet the guy and everybody wants other people to think that they're witty yes right like oh if you you know i I need to get likes i need to get shares i need to get tweets like retweets or whatever the case is right Uh and it's like look you're you're not half the people aren't even comics right? right like it's just regular eight to five people and it's like what do you actually gain from this like i can almost see a comic taking a stab at it because it's like okay you're you're trying you're you just need content and you'll come at it and you'll come at it from an you may come at it from an interesting angle and not just hey this guy's fat but yeah but we fall prey to it too i i tell young comics new well new comics all uh, quite often is don't sometimes don't don't get yourself into trouble being too proud of when you were clever. Just, I mean, you're clever. That's why you do this. But for the sake of knee-jerk, like showing people you're clever, you can dig yourself a hole at times. There, There's a definite, uh, there's a finite number of Facebook posts and tweets that people will actually, before it falls on death ears. Right. And I know a lot of comics that are there. And there's and there's also maybe somebody that you admire as a comedian, who's someone who's done a lot of things that you're in their friends list, and they post something, and you go, "Ooh, I got a smart alecky thing." They'll see that that I'm funny, and what what might happen is you might post that thing, and it's actually kind of a shitty thing to do, and then they see it and go, and they go, "Oh, fuck this guy, fuck this guy." Yeah. As, and you didn't mean it that way, but you got too quickly proud of having a clever moment. And and just made something look like you didn't intend it to. Yeah, and we see a lot of that. Yeah, of course. I think I, I just, I've done it. I just get tired of being around people. So not even people like, uh, like on social networks with people. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll do a thing where like I'll go on Facebook and I'll scroll and I'll count how many posts I read mm. until I get to something that actually has some kind of content that I want. Right. Whether it's like. Hey, I bought a new car today. Like that's something as a friend, right? I want to see, right? Yeah. Not just like, oh, what friends character are you? Or right. like all these things that are just like really like, okay, what are you? Mundane. You're bringing no value. Right? I I wrote a sappy post about the car, and I blame no one for not when it gets to see more. I blame no one if you don't click see more. I get that. It the day is too short. I, I always go much, see more. You do? I always You always see more. more. When I see see more, especially if it's like a not a if it's a heartfelt post, I'll click it. But if it's like I just want to let all you know out there, all you haters that well, keep No, if it's a political thing or if it's like something driven by an opinion, yeah. right? Like this is my opinion on guns or this is like I I don't click to see more. Or if it feels like it's if it feels like it's a disingenuous heartfelt yeah. thing, I I can't I won't. I see a lot of those too. Tons of them. Yeah. And so what I will do though is if it's a comic I know and there's a Seymour, yep. 
always click it because sometimes I'll write something on Facebook where my punchline is in the Seymour. Oh. And I'm just like, like, it'll be like a conversation I have with my daughter or like something that I think is funny. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be like, I, there's going to be a Seymour and I want, and the best part of it is there. That's so hopefully what, people click on it. So if I see another comment, another comic post something and there's a Seymour, I always click on it because I know sometimes the funny part of what I'm posting is in the Seymour. Especially if it's funny dialogue, Seymour. If it's funny dialogue and then Seymour, I'm like, I'll, I'll get to the end of this. Dialogue does really good on likes. I know that's a weird thing, but I notice if I just put like something, I mean, I don't post too often. Yep. Um, but if it's like a conversation I had with my daughter or a conversation I had with you or a conversation I had with somebody and I think it's funny, mm-hmm. those will always get likes even if they have Seymour. I think the most liked non-picture I had was funny dialogue. And here's another one that gets that, that does really well for some reason. Funny dialogue with, with emojis. I was in, I was back home visiting and I was in Dunkin' Donuts and it was, it just, it had just happened. I it I in the dialogue I left the place but I didn't actually leave. Yeah. I was sitting in a booth. I was writing and doing work because uh, uh, I was I was remotely working at the time. I was doing that, and this little kid and his mom, like little, like younger, cute mom, y- r- tiny, cute, uh, like toddler, sit down and, and and the kid like looks over at me and I smile and the kid smiles and then I like I smile and wave and the kid smiles and waves and I did something else and the kid goes look mom look it's daddy and pointed at me and i'm and, and i just looked at her like hey we hey we don't know each other yeah. right and she she laughed and i but I, I i did it in emojis and for whatever reason that one that one it, hit it really because usually the best shit doesn't get what it well here's deserves. the thing too is i notice only comics really do a dialogue post. yes like I don't see a lot of just uh, well, only, civilians doing non like doing dialogue posts. Like, only it's comics typically know how just, to cut the fat. Yeah, exactly. And it's just that's kind of the stuff we're looking for always. Right. So I think if we get a chance, like I'll post something if it doesn't make it to my set, and I think it's funny, mm-hmm. but just not funny enough for me to actually take up on stage with me, I'll let it die on Facebook. That's a good way to do I'll it. I'll just uh, this isn't gonna and and if it gets a lot of traction, then I'll kind of give it a second thought. Uh, maybe it does have a place. I don't. But most of the time, if if it makes it onto any kind of social media, it's because I'm. You're it, done with it, it. Yeah, I'm done with it. It's not going to be something I ever take anywhere with me. You know, I've been thinking about that, and tell me how you feel about this. You may you may have thought the same thing. Is I'm. It's not that I'm hesitant, but I'm rethinking how I approach Facebook because I do I I do it that way. If something's not either not good enough or it doesn't fit into what I would consider my act and my kind of material, it goes on Facebook. And also, I keep Facebook relatively clean. So it's just kind of, it's just the mundane thoughts that I don't bring up on stage goes there, and it's the more quirky kind of, you know, that kind of thing. But what I've been thinking is, or at least might have realized, is that most of the people who don't live in this town only am seeing what I'm doing on there I'm I I might go to Fresno to perform three times a year maybe maybe twice so that's the only I go to slow twice once or twice a year I go you know I go to these regional spots once twice a year Facebook every day so they probably think that that's what I'm gonna be doing on stage I've never thought about it like that but I think you're right and that's probably not the best thing so it's so. Where's that line, though? 
I don't know. What do you do? Like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, because I don't really use Facebook for anything else. Right. Like, I don't really know what Facebook's purpose is anymore. And I'm not going to go hard in the paint. And do, like, 50 posts a day? I'm not going to do 50 posts a day, and I'm also not going to do, like... 50 i'm not gonna do posts about choking in the bedroom (laughs) (laughs) not gonna do posts about one-legged you know i think if you have an opinion if you're on facebook and you have an opinion and you're you feel passionate enough to (sighs) to write four paragraphs about it you should jump on stage that's right like whoever that is doesn't have to be comedy doesn't have to be comedy just express yourself jump on stage if you can sit down and write four paragraphs of why you hate trump or why you don't like whomever or whatever Jump on stage. But you know what? As a guy that has to turn comics away from shows, don't. Yeah, don't. Don't show up. We don't want that. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, somewhere, right? Like, Do it, something. Yeah. Just not here. Yeah. It just <laughs> don't let social media be the only, like, I, one of the things that really upsets me is, like, people who post when they're, when they're being kind or yes. make a donation yes. or it just seems really disingenuous to me because it's like, if if social media weren't around, would you even would you have done that? Like if you couldn't take a picture with the homeless guy you just mm-hmm. gave five dollars to, right? Um, would you even do that? And would you? I I seen a post recently where a guy bought like forty dollars worth of stuff for a homeless guy. Mm-hmm. He went in a store, bought forty dollars worth of stuff, gave it to the homeless guy, but documented every second of it. Yeah. And it's just like there's a dichotomy of feeling there. Yeah, it's, it's push like and pull this does more for you than it does for the homeless person. Yeah, and I f- I feel conflicted about that because for one, it, it's two things. One, it grosses me out when I see somebody do that too, especially when they I see them getting the affirmation like purposely from that. But I also I I've been trying to look at it of like it, it yeah it grosses me out. But does it gross me out too much? Like, is it something in is it something in me that's making me grossed out? And also, trying to focus on like, yeah, I find that gross. I don't think that's the way you should approach it. But if some if the person is getting forty dollars, if that's what it takes for you to give the guy the forty dollars, then do it. Then then if that's what it's gonna take, because I can't I can't give him eighty. So if you're gonna give him forty, and then someday I'm gonna give him forty. I guess that's better than only me giving them forty. But, but it is, but it, it is distasteful. But in this example, there's actually money or goods changing hands. There's times where it's like, oh, post a photo with no makeup and raise awareness for whatever cancer, and it's like that's not actually doing anything. Like, if the only thing you can do is post a photo of yourself with like a a, a flag of France, right, or like some kind of ribbon. It's like you might as well have done nothing because you literally like I don't think that helps. I mean, I guess I guess it's better than nothing. But ultimately, I mean, I could see like the viral stuff like that ice bucket challenge stuff like those things I think are cool because that kind of just takes a life on its own. Right. But if you're just posting a photo with like a a France flag behind you or like those little options that they let you do with your default photos, it's like, what do you actually do? doing right right like you're not doing anything there's a there's a comic who uh, i know he's a like a journeyman comic and he and he opens for somebody who's really big um and and he's done a lot of things back he's been around a long time a couple decades uh like a like probably like a cruise ship guy now but like he he tows all those like 
like he follows the political line exactly the way you would expect that would get somebody some shot like he's on the daily uh tweeting stuff uh, on about bernie against trump which i i'll probably agree with a lot of what he has to say but you, you can you can see glaringly that it is for public perception that he wants to be known as the guy who's on the forefront on as opposed to just feeling that way and some sometimes i was talking before about the bully pulpit with the whole and andy ruiz thing but sometimes the bully pulpit has a self-correcting mechanism because i remember all of those videos a while back of somebody would buy a pizza for a homeless guy and they'd film them giving it to him and play music over it and be like, aren't I the greatest guy ever was basically the point of the YouTube video. And that was a big thing for about a year. And then all of a sudden people started going, Oh fuck you on those videos. Like, what do you, what do you think that's so special about? And, and it's nice to see, uh, the, the anti-vax, the kids anti-vax movement, was picking up steam, picking up steam, picking up steam. And at some point, like a year and a half ago, I don't know what happened, but the internet seemed to, on a on a dime, pivot and go from like, like some of us roll our eyes, but it's kind of a politically correct thing. You can't really to all of a sudden, no, f- you're fuck you, you're Vaccinate, killing your, yeah. you're killing your children, and you're putting everyone else's kids at risk. You ass. It, and they came like it was, it was an immediate shift. And it was just, I think, like, they got The measles to, outbreak, probably? Yeah. Well, the, non, the non-vaxxing movement got to a certain point of, of being kind of emboldened, and then, and then the hammer just came down. Well, I think also who's behind these things, right? So the anti-vax, like, champions are Dead stay-at-home now. moms. <laughs> well, I mean, they're stay-at-home moms with the short bob haircuts. The people you probably don't want to talk to on a day-to-day who have who bring really no value and in, in your day-to-day life yeah. it's the people who yell at the managers at starbucks it's those people who just have like at least it's to the, me it's the people who say their name is merry christmas yeah. at starbucks <laughs> <laughs> it's those people and so it's like i think depending on who your front line is like if your front line is stay-at-home moms that, that that champion is that's not going to last too long. Right. Like we're we're going to stomp that down pretty quickly, which is I think what happened with the anti-vax things because that's a lot of who these people were. Yeah, can't fund a good lobby selling crystals. Everybody yeah. knows that. <laughs> people were selling wraps on their free time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like that's Look, that's not who you shakeology want. Shakeology won't fund a revolution. Yeah. That's not, that's not who you want. So oh, I think shit. it depends who's championing well, for you. I hope we got whatever clip that we wanted at fucking at the early outset because I don't think it stopped. I don't think it stopped either. It's just about to stop. It's about to die. How much memory do you have on your phone that you have I, you can record for like an hour? I have no idea how any of this shit works. Somehow I got the sound to work on the goddamn podcast. The video is basic enough. There we go. We're 42 minutes. Do your minutes socks in. match your shirt? They do today. Fucking snazzy, ain't I? Yeah, that's like almost, and that's that a pretty shit. tough color to match. It is. It just, and you know, it happened by accident. I don't yeah, even know I'm how sure I, it did. <laughs> it did. Totally accidentally. It really, I swear to God it did. I bought socks from a website called Nice Laundry. You can get like 18 pair of socks for 100 bucks. So myself and a guy that I worked with bought them. And then uh, I've never put that much thought into my songs. I just happened to be at the Banana Republic outlet one day, and I needed work shirts. And this one was on sale for about fifteen twenty dollars. I'm like, I'll take that one. 
And I was going through the sock drawer and I was like, oh shit, this looks exactly like that. Was that the highlight of your day? Boss up. Yeah. Boss up. Boss up. Now I don't wear this shirt without these socks. <laughs> I can see why you do that. It's mm-hmm. a good call. good call. I almost, one time when I was down at the outlets, I almost bought a pair of red metallic sneakers because they would they went identically with a pair of uh, black and red metallic shorts that I had. But while I was holding the shoes, I was like, this would go perfectly. And the shoes are only like $40. But, but do I have the energy to be this guy? No, you don't. No. And you don't want to be that guy. Because I can't wear these. I can't buy these shoes for one outfit. I can't justify that. Do I have the energy to start matching shoes with outfits? You know I don't. No. It's it, it's something that will drive you crazy. I've tried that before. I used to do that with hats. Yeah. I, I have like 30 to 40 hats at home that I never wear. And I used to try to match. I used to try matching them perfectly with my t-shirts, mm. and it just. Beca- I was just like, I'm just gonna stop buying hats. I'd like rather. this is too much, and I look ridiculous. <laughs> like I do. Just, do you flat brim or? No, curve no, brim? I don't. I don't flat brim. You I curve, curve brim. Yeah, I'm, I'm too old for flat. Backwards or frontwards? Frontwards always. Always. Like I look like I'm going to a, a ball game. Jay Z shit. Yeah, I don't want black the, album. I, I'm not a big fan of or like leaving stickers on your hats. That fifty nine or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, the fifty nine. Is like that what it is? A fifty nine. Fifty nine or did I get that right? Whatever. I think it is fifty nine. You new have forty hats. How? How do you know? I take the stickers right off. Oh, okay. I think that's a huge indicator that I don't want to talk to you if you have a sticker. Snapback or fitted? A little bit of both. I peg you for a snapback guy. A little bit of both. Okay. A little bit of both. It just depends. Like the when I first started collecting hats, it was mostly like the fitted, like forty dollar ones, and right. snapback came back and. It, but honestly, I started doing snapback because I'm just at the point where I don't really care. Right. I was just like, all right, I'll take whatever. I don't know happens. how big my head's going to get. I yeah. don't want to have to think about it. And I've actually outgrown a lot of my hats. I don't know how that happened. Either mm. they shrunk or my head got bigger. So That's that human growth hormone you've been taking. Yeah, it's all that. The I'm going to Chipotle after this fucking episode. Are that's, you? That's what I'm doing for sure. I need to, I'm going to get in that car. Your new car and my new the car. first uh, the first Chipotle run. First Chipotle run in my fancy ass new car. Are you excited make it smell to take like it out? Now you're now you're gonna be the trip guy. You're gonna be no, the, I'm not gonna, not not at all. You're gonna be hey, we're going to Paso. Let's invite Chris in his new car. Because every time I look at that car, it's a reminder that I now have a car payment and gave up one of my gave up my most prized possession to get it. Every time I look at it. So I probably I probably won't drive it for six months. The, <laughs> it's gonna the, Uber everywhere. <laughs> the, the Pontiac was a good travel car. Fuck yeah! It, it's it was, like man. the perfect comedy car because it kept you humble. I mean, I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know if I was coming back. You know, yeah, gonna, that's that's exactly right. That you know, who's gonna be upset was. about this is Tad Whaley. Is he a big fan of your car? On a number of occasions, he's said to me, "You know what, man? I like that you have the Pontiac because I know you don't need to." It's just cool that you still do. Yeah. And part I've thought about that when I was getting a car. I was like, you know what? This is my kind of car. Tad's right, man. This is the car I should be in. Tad is always right. Tad is, Tad is an insightful man. He gets it, man. He, he gets do, it. He's, he gets it. He's got something. He's got some gems. He's got nuggets in him. But I am big like that, man. I, I don't like... Like, I see why you're struggling with it. Oh, fuck. For one, it's buyer's remorse. It's the fact that you've made this big purchase that you're lucky to make right like yep. you're you've earned it you've you know yeah i was gonna on do paper i was gonna do the whole thing the on whole paper uh, I earned it. yeah quote air quotations right uh earned it on paper but it just doesn't feel right no and it just doesn't it's not no 
I, I feel very uncomfortable in really nice cars, really nice homes, really nice hotels. Really? Yeah. Like so here's a strange thing about me. I don't feel uncomfortable in an in a nice hotel unless it's well, you go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was gonna like there there's a there's a line. Okay. Like I don't drop b- below a certain point of hotel. Like I'm not gonna st- if it's just me by myself, I'll stay at a Motel Six. Like I don't care. Me too. I don't care. Me too. Because it's if you're just t- me. If you're taking the woman, fucking ball out. Yeah. Same. Then you have to do the nice room. If it's just me, don't care. We it's went fine. to we went to Vegas. I got us a room in MGM Grand, bigger than my apartment. Nice. Easily bigger than my apartment. If it were me, fucking flamingo. Yeah. Staying at the Texas flamingo. Twenty Eight or whatever. Like staying at the Hooters. <laughs> hotel yeah $30 for the price a night. for the price yeah or <laughs> the hooters left that hotel I, I, long I, ago <laughs> i i also go the opposite way like if i have the kids i'll do like a safe like if it's just you and your significant other you want to do something nice for the both of you mm-hmm. but if it's just you like me and the kids I'm going La Quinta. all of us yeah we're doing like something budget friendly micro tells are fantastic what is micro tell what is that? Oh, it's uh, the best hotel I've ever stayed in uh, until I was about twenty-seven or twenty-eight. Was Microtel Virginia Beach? There are these there are these hotels. I forget what chain owns them, but they're fantastic. And for like forty bucks, forty-five bucks, Jeez. you could get a suite, full length mirrors behind the bed. Fucking, you get a couch, you get a work desk and shit. Fucking love seat. 45 bucks they have cookies in the lobby see that's the thing the cheap hotels you get free wi-fi free cookies continental breakfast well you, do you know why that is uh-uh. there's actually a theory behind that because if you stay at a nice hotel the w- nicer hotels actually charge for wi-fi mm. and the reason being is because they assume that most of the people that are there are on business and they will pick up that extra charge because they're not the ones actually paying for it so the cheap hotels, though, if you're looking at two $40 motels right. and one of them has free Wi-Fi and the other one doesn't, you're going to go with the free Wi-Fi. Right. So that'll kind of get that clientele. And the more upscale you have to buy Wi-Fi. So you're it, saying you're saying if Monsanto sent me on a business trip, they would not put me up at the Howard Johnson? Is no, that what you're I, I don't think so. Motel Maybe. 6. Motel 6. Um, but I'm, I'm a Holiday Inn guy. I feel it's the safest... That the feels, safest hotel you can stay at. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because of it was there was one in my hometown. Holiday Inn makes me ang- like nervous, fancy. It's like whoa, because coming from back home, this hotel's like one hundred and forty dollars a night. Yeah, that that's about. But that's normal. Like that's what you normally pay. But when I was a kid, I remember looking at Holiday Inns, going like, God damn, one hundred and forty dollars. I would ever stay there. My daughter does this thing. My daughter's big on hotels. She loves taking trips she's because gonna, she likes to stay at hotels. She's going to bang you <laughs> and you're going to willingly do it because she's adorbs. Yeah, she's, no kidding. We actually drove by a, ho- a Holiday Inn that we live by and she asked, she's like, Dad, what's that? And I go, that's that's a hotel. And she goes, Bakersfield has hotels. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, I want to stay there. (laughs) Like, she had no idea. She just thinks it's this thing for vacation. But $140 is that breaking point. Anything above $140, like, I think it's a little fancy, depending on the area. Agreed. 
under 140, it's kind of sketch. Yep. Like 140 is like that sweet, that sweet holiday spot. and sweet spot. It's the sweet it's spot. It's good. Hampton Inn holiday and just you gotta give me some free breakfast. Let me, send me on my way. You got to tell the kid, look, I'm, I'm sorry, but if I stay in a hotel in Bakersfield, you ain't coming. No. I'm staying there to make you a brother yeah. or sister. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. even, man. Honestly, if we, if we sit in a hotel, we're just going to sleep. Right. At this point, it's just let me rest. I know. Let me rest. I know. Well, I don't even have kids, and I'm like, I'm like that. If I have a meal, I'm like, yeah, let's just take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> as as much as cliche as it is, having kids, well, God, it's brutal on your sleep, man. Yeah, it's brutal on your life. Even when I sleep well, I feel unrested. Yeah, it's because for you, it's like six hours a night, right? That is, is, is that your average? Yep, about six. And that's insufficient. It is. It should be eight. Like in God damn, I feel so long. Now. I almost said, and we're learning that it's a, it should be more. Like I'm a part of the research. You should. Um, <laughs> you have glasses on. We're actually learning that it it should be actually. You should just do that. You have glasses on. You work at a hospital. This last book that I read that taught me that everything in the media is horseshit said that there's a website called Haro.com, helpareporterout.com, where you submit. Like they'll a reporter will say, "Hey, I'm writing an article on this. Do we have any experts?" They don't have time to fact check you. You could just say what your title is of working at a certain place. You contribute to three or four articles. All of a sudden, you are an you are an expert, an expert. correspondent on CNBC. I don't want to be an expert in anything. Comedy, maybe. We're off to a good start yeah. because I, I <laughs> I'm not an expert in anything. Yeah, you are. The shit people think I'm an expert in. Whoo. Yeah, they'd be in for a rude awakening. Does it ever scare you to be the smartest person in the room? Or like, have you ever been in a room and thought, okay, if things go south, people are going to turn to me, and that scares the hell out of me? I don't want to be the smartest person. You just you know how much you don't know, and you're like, wow, I shouldn't be. What alarms me sometimes is when people who I later learn know so much less than than I or someone else or or what I would have thought how confident they are because i know and not knowing i know the amount of knowledge it takes for me to be confident in saying like no that's not what and give like a direct like no i know this and so when i hear someone else speak with that type of certainty i assume they know it to the 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 degree that i would need to know it to say it with no hedging to be that confident to be that confident and and it was instances like that that taught me that we've got. I've I've made. I'm working on a bit about this. That we've got such people have such different bars for what knowledge is, what knowing something is, or being competent at something is. That it astounds me sometimes. Like people have so. We talked about it last episode. I think people have such different bars for what they think working hard is. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It, it's similar to the working hard. Thing. Like to me, like being busy isn't working hard um um like fucking around and feeling overwhelmed isn't working hard but but some people like god i've been busting my ass all day i mean i worked i worked i worked two hours late today yeah but you didn't do shit from nine to two yeah it's just like "Eh, that's not really working too hard no and being overwhelmed is sometimes the the symptom of not working hard over a a long period of time that's right like, oh, I'm really overwhelmed. And it's like, oh, because I haven't done anything in like a month. All <laughs> yeah. of a sudden, I'm really overwhelmed with everything I haven't done. There's this guy I used to work with who, to give him a credit, he'd put in Herculean days. He would start at like 6 in the morning. 
and he'd work until like nine or ten o'clock, and he was never not working. He's a and everybody'd be like, "Man, this guy is such." He's so committed. He's such a worker. But you'd go to a meeting with him, and let's say the meeting's a half an hour long. He'd stick around. Like, he'd want to stick around and talk afterwards for 40. So he's still doing an eight-hour day. He's just making it stretch over 14 hours. He's just not efficient. But if you're being reviewed, that looks pretty good, as opposed to me, who if you told me, like, look, dude, if you get your shit done by 10 o'clock, you can, you can go, leave at 10. I'd be so much more productive than I am now. I'd get more done than I do now. I'd be out of there. Right. But that doesn't look good. No, of course not. Mm-mm. Even if you're accountable for everything that you've done, you don't want to be the guy that's leaving at 2.30. You ever work a job where you're not allowed to leave when you're supposed to leave? Like every job I've ever had. Yeah? Like w- Most of my jobs were, it was inherent that you're, yeah, you're scheduled for eight hours, but, uh, yo, you're going to leave when it's schedule for you to go? I, I used to work at a place where if you left on time uh it was like oh he doesn't he doesn't, doesn't care he doesn't care yep like he's leaving on time you know what job was like that for me back in the day oddly enough bed bath and beyond i remember you talked about your bb and b days have i talked about them uh i don't think ever on a pod but i know that you they would that we actually we <laughs> we've actually been finding that somebody on my behalf won a class action lawsuit against them for unpaid wages that i got like i've had these lucky times in my life where i was really on the rim like i was i was i was at a point where i'd be i'd look at my bank account and i'd know my expenses and be like i don't know how this is gonna work out and just some little thing would happen just a little just thing, a little bump just a tiny little bit and i was in one of those times where i was on the rim and class action lawsuit for like $1,100. And I'm like, motherfucker, just enough time to get me to start working, to start getting it. Like I just, I got so, that's why those people that are like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I got so lucky. There were so many times where the ride could have ended, where it's just like that little, I just got like a little $300 bump or, uh, or like in a, I was in Harrisburg and I was, I was ending a lease in the apartment complex gave me too much back for my security deposit and forgot to charge me a month's rent. Like just these little things that kept the train on the tracks that so easily could have been different and I could be selling washers and dryers right now. We're driving a Toyota Tercel to some one-bedroom apartment that, like I live in now, but in Schuylkill <laughs> County. Like all those things um, and, and the class action suit, but it was because you'd be scheduled at Bed Bath & Beyond um, for the for the low-level management you would be scheduled for, I believe it was 10 hours. Jeez. Um, it was either 10 hours or nine hours. But if you left before like 10 and a half hours, people looked at you like this motherfucker. You guys don't want to get it done. You had to stay 11 or 12 hours. You had to stay 11. I used to work just under 11 hour shifts and I was one of the people that was less committed. Like I was leaving, but I just couldn't do it any more than that. It was a, it was a grind. And is that why they got sued or mm-hmm. why they had that class action lawsuit? Yep. Because they, they somehow it was determined. I, I didn't read uh, much into it. So forgive me if I have this wrong, but they had people that should have been defined as hourly employees that they were paying on a salary basis and they it were, has to be like double minimum wage or and something. They were, and they were squeezing extra hours out of those people um, incorrectly. See, I don't think a lot of people have ever been in a... Well, actually, I take that back. I think a lot of people have been in situations where it's like you're really you're really cutting it close. Mm-hmm. And like that extra $100, that extra $150 like really goes a long way. Because 
if you if you haven't lived in that world, mm-hmm. like you don't know, you can never understand. You can it. never understand it, and it's like because as much as a hundred dollars can take you one way, so can a flat tire. Yeah, right. You come outside, your tire's flat. You don't know what you're gonna do. Yeah. I mean, I've been lucky enough, and I count my blessings that I haven't been in that world in a while. But I, but you, you still operate that way, right. knowing that at any time. <laughs> Like, right. all of this can be gone, right. and you can be one flat tire away from just having nothing. All those things. Like, like, I'll never forget uh, when I was when I was at Kutztown, it was like my second year of school or third year of school. I had no money. I almost got kicked out of my apartment because I couldn't give the first month's rent until, like, the third month of school. Like, no money and no, like, no safety net, right? Yeah, no backup. So there was, like, 30, I think it was 36 straight days toward the end of the semester I ate uh, spaghetti. It was vermicelli noodles, which is like a dollar for a pack uh, for every meal. And then I would get a giant food center, which is the supermarket back there. They had this, it was like DeGrosso or something like that, pepperoni flavored spaghetti sauce. It was in a, it was in a jar that had like a, a black emblem with like a green strip on it, pepperoni flavored. And it was, I want to say it was like 94 cents or 74 cents for a jar every day. Spaghetti, pepperoni, and after thirty-six days, I sold my books back for <clears throat> I think I, I think I made one hundred and twenty dollars or something like that. And I went to the store and I bought a pound of salami, a pound of ham, a pound of cheese, a loaf of bread, and two bags of chips and a thing of mustard. And I I sat and ate chip and deli meat sandwiches until I couldn't move with a stomachache. I was just like this. This is un anything but spaghetti. Any anything but spaghetti. Yeah, and you're right. I, I I think a lot of people, there are a lot of people that understand that, but there are a lot of people who we there are, most people understand that. Yeah, but we exist in a world where most people don't don't understand that. And I live in a world where most people, their parents paid their way through school. They think they've struggled, but they don't really know. But they don't know what they don't know what what feeling like you're on your own is. Well, so, so for instance, you said something earlier that kind of speaks to this. It's being the first person in your family to do something and not having any guidance. So you going out and buying a new car by yourself and how naked that makes you feel. And even if you don't realize it at the time, leaving and looking back on it 10 years later, being like, okay, I got taken advantage of. I had no idea what I was doing. That's how I felt like when I was going to go to college, like, navigating this world that you don't have anybody where you can even really turn to. And that's on a lot of different fronts. So that's not only like, okay, my parents never did this. I don't know how to navigate this, but also the school I go to, they don't really care. They don't, they're not going to help me through this, right? Right. It's a lower income school. There's, there's not a lot of support and doing those things and coming out the other end and actually having any amount of success. Like that is such a, tough road to take it is and i think it's something that i that i fight with where it's like okay you're you know quote unquote successful or you you do okay or like whatever but it's like we should be happy with that but then we do something that we would ultimately we would love to be doing comedy and doing it for nothing yeah but we know that there's like this other world that we come from that you don't want to go back to no um but in a strange way, I'm not afraid of it. No. Like it's kind of like you almost welcome it. Yeah, it's like that's f- like I've had nothing. It's fine. You almost welcome it to happen, 
but w- the fear comes from you you being the reason it happened yeah like uh, like i had a weird I, yeah actually, actually that's a good point i had a weird thing with my apartment complex this week long story short you see the fish are no longer here the whole thing did somebody rat you out no they had to do an inspection and they they gave me a notice on it and it just turned into this whatever reason they're they're being strict about it and i how to get rid of your fish i had to get rid of the fish and i told them i i, I put them over at lexi's house i told everybody in the office there that i uh, that i uh will be reviewing uh regulations and landlord tenant law okay you know I, I i dropped the douchebag i'm a lawyer and and so and i just felt disrespected but as i was buying that car today if I came home and there was an eviction notice on the door and I for real had to leave, okay. But if I did something and missed the rent, I would feel awful in myself because you know that you know that feeling of you don't have a safety net and you've seen people drop the ball in in your life and and like you're you're in a situation now so you're like god, I could have I could have kept myself where I needed to be and I fucked up. Yeah. If it happens to you, fine. But if you do it, you would never forgive yourself. Yeah, that's actually very true. Like that's when I'm in the car lot and they're going, "What is it that bothers you about this?" I'm going, "Like I'm, I want to go. Like you don't understand. If this falls through and I can't pay for it, you're not going to go through that with me, and you don't know what it was like getting here." And so you just can't explain that to someone who hasn't been through it. Yeah, who's never really. And who knows, the guy who sold you the car might have been there before, yep. right? But there is definitely, like, this, this like, if you've never had a safety net, you always, no matter how much money you have in the bank, no matter how many degrees you have on your wall, no matter how many people are kind of around you now, you always feel like there's nothing under you that's going to catch you. Right. You feel like you're one misstep away from landing on pay dirt. That's the way it feels. But the, the the funny part is, and tell me if you connect with this too, when I feel righteous about something and I feel like I need to make a stand on something, no matter how trivial it is, I will take every chip I have on the table and push it on what I believe in. Because go, go ahead. Go ahead. Take everything from me then. Fuck. You, I've had nothing. I'm, sup- I'm supposed to I'm supposed to go off the rails and... and be a train but that's right. on your own choice right that's, that's right. by your own choice that's that's the difference do you do right? that too or are you better at controlling that uh I, I was better at that actually you've done it before well, you've gone like you've you've knocked the board over and gone like i'll decide when i come back to yeah i've been there before that's cool it's cool like you've gone like you know what i don't like the the career setup that's going on right now i'm gonna flip the board over and i'll come back to careers when i want to yeah but it's also been pretty calculated like yeah. I've looked at it and been like, okay, I know, I know what my options are, right? And I have a little bit of leverage here, so I'm just gonna go ahead and hedged. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna just push and push until I can't push anymore. Right. Um, but now that I have two kids, and the stakes are a little bit higher now, you know, if it were just me, it's fine. You can't fire me. I'm leaving. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I quit. Like, whatever the case is, like, right. it, that's a little bit easier to do when you don't have kids. Makes sense. Um, now it's like I'm gambling with their with their chips, right? Okay. So that's what it feels like. It's like I can put everything in the middle, but then in the back of my head, it's like, yeah. no, most of this isn't mine. That's right. right. No matter how much you own, it, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to them, at least when you have kids. Right. That's at least that's how I feel. But I get that. 
it's because I don't people. want them to feel like they don't have that that safety net that I didn't grow up that right. I I didn't have growing up. Makes sense. Like they need to know. Like uh, there's this really fine line of like you have a safety net, but also I'm not gonna catch you. Right. right. Like you have to, to me at least, you have to raise, like, that's what I'm trying to do with my kids. It's well, like, you're not special, right? Like you have to, you're not smart either. You're a hard worker, mm. right? Like that's, those are the, the, the phrase I use, like never right. tell them you're, they're smart. Tell them they're a hard worker because then they think they're entitled to things and they think that they're better than other people. It's like, no, nobody's inherently smart. Right. You're just a hard worker. That's did, what it is. When you were growing up, did anybody... Did anybody put you into into a certain box of what you whether you were smart or not smart or worked hard or didn't work hard or anything like that? I, I, it's my life has been a series of just with these weird boxes. It's like you're lazy, you're really fat, you're just like every that's a tough like bo- every fat's a tough box to be yeah, put that's in. A, <laughs> it's a big box because you can't yeah it can't fit in it. It's a big box. A lot of um, grease on that box, but everything's been like not good enough not smart enough not you know whatever i remember i remember my freshman year thinking okay i want to go to college what do i have to do to go to college and meeting with my guidance counselor this is like the first week of freshman year and in order to get to a into a state school you have to have three years of college prep if you want to go straight into a a state school like if you want to go to a junior college you can take whatever okay but I was like, no, I want to get out of here. I want to go to a state school. Right. Let me go talk to my counselor. Counselor came over and was like, yeah, I just, I don't know if that's for you. <laughs> I got one week into high school. Fuck. And I I just always thought that you could see it. Like you could see that I'm this fat, lazy kid that I've been told like a million times that I am. Yeah. And to me, that's what. You know, that's what would make my guidance counselor be like, oh, no, this isn't for you. You got to do something else. But I also knew I didn't know what else was. Right. Like for me, if I get inside of a classroom, if I I can always control if I work harder than everybody in the room, Um, I can't control if I'm the smartest. I don't think there's a such thing. But I mean, it's kind of like a chip on my shoulder to go into every place I've ever been to and been like, I'm not good enough to be here. But I'm here. You're going to make it. And, you know, that's, I mean, I approach comedy kind of in the same way. Like, I don't think I'm the funniest, like naturally funny, funniest person in any room. I think if I talk to some of the comics that we hang out with, if I, like, they're funny. Like, they're, like. I don't know them. (laughs) (laughs) It did cure comedy. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I just have always like felt, like, yeah, just that chip on my shoulder that like okay, and comedy just became for me this arena where it's like, like this is something that I'm good at. Like yeah. and I know that I'm good at because for once it's not somebody telling me that I'm not good at this. Like the right. people in this room are showing me that I am good at this. It's a weird push and pull, right? So you have, you have the, you have a chip on your shoulder of like, I'm going to, I'm going to show you why I'm here. But you also, there's also an imposter syndrome of like, when are they going to find out that I don't belong here? Yeah. That happens yeah. all the time. When too. It, w- yeah. When am I going to be discovered? Yep. I, I, I felt like that today. I was sitting in meetings and I was like, 
yeah, I'm not, I don't know if I belong here. Like these are people who are a lot more educated than me. These are people who like, I, I come from a different world than a lot of them. And like a lot of times I feel like, oh, it's nice of them to let me in this room, right? And be a part of this conversation. Right. Um, but at some point you do feel like, yeah, they're going to they're gonna find me out. They're exactly. going to find out that I'm, you know, I I should be at a Dairy Queen or yeah. whatever, right? Like yeah, I should exactly. be shining shoes at the mall. Yeah, like I'm like when I dealt with the apartment thing and they and they didn't budge even after knowing that I'm a douchebag attorney. Most likely is the person doesn't the person just doesn't know that if I've got the energy to deal with this, what kind of what they've just signed themselves up for. But in my mind, I'm going, oh, they must know. They must know that I that I I don't know shit. They must know <laughs> that like they they must know. And the <clears throat> the truth is. I could I could make it a nightmare. I probably but I don't feel like that. Yeah, but you're not going to I don't feel like that. Yeah. Because uh, again, it goes back to that, oh, they're digging their heels in. They must know something I don't. Yeah, they must gonna... know they must know I'm not capable and they know this stuff better than me. Yeah, they, the, it's a the, weird feeling that stays with you all my the boss, time. My boss today invited me to come along with him to like more things, like more responsibility slash like more like learning development stuff. And when he walked away, I had competing feelings of like, this is cool. They're bringing me into stuff. But I was like, I wonder if this is because they think I'm not like doing enough. So they want to get me exposed. Or I wonder if they think that I'm not, in, that I'm starting to disengage from the place. So they they got to show me something else that they think I'm gonna leave. I want I wonder, I wonder if it's because they think I'm doing good, or if they think they need to, they need to do something to motivate me more, or else or else I'm not gonna work out here. I think, I, I've felt like that all the time. Yep. Like and you read things like many different ways. Yeah. Where it's like you get told something at work, like, and it's like wait, like it sounds good, but is it actually like? Like I, I bring you on pretty much every episode of this podcast because as far as comedy and entertainment goes, you're my favorite person to talk to in there and I can I know exactly what I'm going to get with you every time and it, whether microphones or not, this is what I'd want to be doing tonight and I, I know it's going to be what I want it to be whether anybody listens or not. Yeah, um, it doesn't matter. But why, but why do you think I yeah, – do you do – you, do you think op differently of why I would have me on? Yeah. No. I, okay. So I think that if I because if it were me, because I know that feeling. If it were me, I'd be like, uh, I've been to his house before. He's not comfortable having a lot of people at the house. It's just it's just it's he called somebody. They said no, so he called me. No, like I, I think that uh, I think you and I are unique in in how sometimes our approach is different to comedy, but for the most part, we're in the same lane. Mm -hmm. Like we, we respect right. like the, the inside baseball of it all. Right. And I think that unless you have like a really, unless you've actually stepped back and have looked at yourself as a, as a comic, it sounds weird to say that sometimes to step back and be like, okay, these are the five things I'm not doing. Well, these are the things I wish I could do. Here's what this person do. This person's doing this, and right. I wish I could do that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, where I think you and I bond more over more than just, hey, you're funny, mm -hmm. right? Because we know that like anybody could be funny on any given night. Right. Um. So you having me on the podcast, I don't think like, ah, he's just uh, you know, he's comfortable with me as okay, opposed good. to having like somebody else on having good X, Y, or Z on. I think it's because 
on some level, this is a good alternative to actually being on stage. Yeah, I'm going to start trying to do these on Mondays and Tuesdays for that very reason. I mean, we've been talking for an hour and 10 minutes now. This is better than an open mic that we can do. Yeah, you get you get so much uh, creativity going. Like it just kind of like, especially after being at work all day. Yeah. Where you're like in your cube and you're like doing, you know, look at Outlook all day or whatever the case is. And to step out and be like, oh yeah, there's there's something more. There's this creative part of me. Right. And just through conversation, thinking about different bits or thinking about the things we talk about, right? So talking about having no safety net, talking about yeah. all those things like... That's our comedy, right? Like that is really what we're talking about. You have your one of your central bits right now is all about expectations versus reality. Versus reality because of how you grew up. Yeah, and so for me it's like talking through these things that are that's like this may not be funny haha like we're doing comedy. No. But it But it's lets where the comedy us, comes yeah, from. Yeah, it's where it comes from. It's like okay, we're talking about these things. Oh yeah, I haven't thought about this or I never really thought about how when I enter a room, I feel like I'm going to be unmasked, right? But that can be a part of something that leads to a different thought later or makes me reevaluate the last like two to three months of my life and be like, you know what? That's actually happened to me three or four times. I should probably talk about that. Um, So I think that for me, that's what this does. It's like, okay, it's a table for us to come together talk about it's like a writer's workshop yeah it's like we're kind of talking about our comedy but not really doing comedy yeah so yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's fun like, man it's like yeah you were working on jokes about toasters but this is what you're really thinking and yeah. feeling <laughs> it's so like it, uh, it's, it's hard to avoid it but also too i think it's cool to be like at a at a place where i'm like okay like you text me told me that you're gonna be buying a car today I was like, I know what kind of car he's going to get. You, like knew, I, you texted me what I was buying. Yeah, I was like, you're buying a Cherokee, aren't you? Because I just don't. And I was like, and, yeah, that's what he would buy. And you and you <laughs> said, what color? And I said, silver. And you went, yeah, it was. Same <laughs> color as you as the Pontiac. <laughs> you just get to know a person, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like what are. It's even better. Yeah, so it's, it makes everything. Like, it makes a podcast more fun. It's and a, hopefully it makes listening to it more fun. And, it's a day-long inside joke. Yeah, and like, I think. And you could tell me if you feel the same way, but like if I watch your comedy, I can almost be like, I know what kind of spawned that thought, uh, yeah, or that. I know what his week was like. Yeah, you knew. What, yeah, exactly. Like where you can be like, oh, I remember that. Like yeah. I remember when he was going through that. I know we what he's ta- talking about. Yeah. yeah. Like oh yeah, like I know. Like I know you're probably going to turn into buying buying a car into a bit, right? Like yep. so at some point. I already I already have buying a car into a bit. Like, not buy, I've not buying not a car. Not buying a car, yeah. So you're definitely going to have buying a car into Fuck, it. I'm going to have to give this thing back to keep the you're joke. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's more valuable. Yeah. Hey, your, your joke doesn't depreciate. Yeah. All right, yeah. let's get the fuck out of here. I'm I'm going to pick up some Chipotle. I'm guessing you need to get home to your family, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I got this diet thing I'm doing, Fuck. and so I have, like, tilapia waiting for me at yeah. home. Uh, tilapia is a good That's a good word. Nobody that's a good East Coast tilapia. Tilapia. It's a good word to hit hard. Do you know anybody who buys tilapia just because they, they like tilapia? Yeah. Really? White I people. feel like... <laughs> It's definitely the safest Mid- fish you can buy. It's like a, it's it's like yeah, it's just bland. You I always feel like fish is old people. Food. Tilapia. Tilapia. Give me the I'll soul. Get, I'll get some. I'll get some Asian salmon. Stop it! A, Stop not, it! I'm not a fish guy. Don't be okay. Good. 
I thought you're a crab guy. I thought you're. I thought you're about to take that in a bad direction. Oh no! They have. (laughs) They have. They have uh, some type of Asian sauce seasoned salmon at Vaughn's. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, you're moving up from the uh, fucking from the spaghetti. Fuck you at Walmart and Winco. I got a Cherokee now. I'm shopping at Vaughn's. Fucking fill her up. Yeah, goddamn right. I'm one car away from Whole Foods, motherfuckers. See you in 15 years. Yeah, exactly right. This is our Irish goodbye. See us. The end is near. You believe shit go wrong? So I face. I'm from the hood, man. The final cut. No, the real hood. Look, not the rap hood. The real hood. Like my friends, pants. I'll say clear. Pair of sneakers. My mom's busting my case. <laughs> I'm going to Japan Which tomorrow. I'm certain. You understand what I'm saying? Can you believe that? There are people waiting at the airport like five days like I'm a beetle or something. That's real talk. I traveled each every highway. Seen the best of the best, the worst of the worst. Much more. Still here. I did it more. Let's try this one. Uh, yeah. Gangsta nigga, put my hustle down, tore the game up nigga, took your high score down, put my name up nigga, tore the doors down to the Hall of Fame, it's Jigga, I did it my way, much more than that's right, it's a beautiful thing I man, did it my way, Hobie baby, mama's youngest and stronger, survivor summers like saunas, master the corner like Dion in his uniform, Pop hurt and asserted, flirted with them, damn near murdered before my first album hit the shelf. Grandma's favorite, she cannot understand how there's people in the world who wouldn't want me as a neighbor. Had to explain to her, you think these folks want me in the penthouse as a reminder that I make top paper. Black entrepreneur, nobody did us no favors, nobody gave us shit. We made us the Rat Pack, I'm Sinatra, Dame Sam Davis, Big's the smart one on the low like D. Martin. We came in this game, not begging niggas parting, demanding y'all respect, hand over a check. And while y'all at it, hand over the jet. We the reason they ain't hand that sham over so quick. They knew every year I was dropping new product. I was raising the stock up while building the rock up. But that's alright, cause they knew they had to see us. When it was time for us to re-up, make us multi-millionaires. Did you cheer? Much more than I did it more. Yeah.